For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? As you know, with all of my shows, I believe that there's something to celebrate each and every day if we take the time to do so. And the real mission of this show is to celebrate artists and their body of worth. Uh, worth, not work, although the work is there. And I'm so excited about our guest tonight. Uh, Lee Purcell is a working actress uh, who is still very much in the game. And we're going to talk about her past, her present, and her future tonight. Uh, but before we begin, I'd like to uh, introduce you to her latest project, and then we will see her on the other side. And I am so excited that she's here tonight. You have no idea. Here it is, Carol of the Bells. I'm expecting a package. You want me to sign for it? No, I, I need to see the guy. Scott, you've been consumed with trying to find your biological mother for a year now. We have the money. Why didn't you just take it out of our personal account? Sorry, those are the bricks, buddy. Your information can't be right. I don't understand, Scott. She's living in an assisted living facility that her parents created for her. Grandmother's the one calling all the shots now. We spent a small fortune trying to find this biological family, and I just wants to forget about the whole thing. What do you mean, forget about it? Is there something you're not telling me? Everything you need to know is in that box. Hello, can I help you? I'm looking for Carol Harris. Oh, she's right over there next to those bells. Uh, all volunteers have to fill out some paperwork. She could use some assistance with her handwriting. How about we write a letter? Yeah. Who would you like to write a letter to? My son. I don't know how I could have any kind of relationship with her. I need you to let go. I can't, Scott. I'm a mother. Who are you? I'm a volunteer. A young, pregnant woman visited Carol this morning. Carol must have taken her back there on her own. If you can't provide proper supervision for my daughter, I will find someone who can. I want you to stop visiting her. It's just too disruptive to her life. I helped Carol with her handwriting, and this is a letter she wrote to Scott. I miss you every day. I want you to come home to me. Please don't be mad at my mommy for making you go away. I was so convinced I was doing the right thing back then. What matters is what you do now. I want sweet. And what if Daddy doesn't get a Christmas tree? That's okay. No Christmas makes him sad. We all have things in our past. This has always been a very difficult time of year. I miss my baby boy. Carol pours her heart into these performances. She's always sizing up the ground. That's Carol, or as I like to refer to her, Carol of the Bells. That has a nice ring to it.
Wow. Hello, Lee. How are you? Good, Richard. How are you doing? I am doing great. First of all, I want to apologize to everyone. We were having a little technical issues, but we are here now, and I am thrilled that you were here. Uh, and I begin every show, that, that looks like it's worth celebrating, but I begin every show by asking my guest, who or what are you celebrating today? Well, this is going to sound kind of odd. Um, my dog, because we got um, a new-ish dog. We had the um, terrible loss of our two dogs. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's terrible, uh, who died 11 months apart. And the house was just empty and, yeah, I didn't get teary about it, and ringing with silence. And I couldn't take it. So I um, searched and went online and registered with all the various rescue groups. And we had a, a very disappointing, very long trip to a particular rescue center really far away. And when we got there, they said, oh, we just adopted that dog out, which they had agreed not to do. And so that was really heartbreaking. So we went home with an empty, you know, dog uh, car bed and very sad. So I kept searching and, um, and, we, and we got this absolutely incredible maniacal dog. He's very young, so he's, uh, so he's, he's pretty crazy right now, but he's starting to calm down. And so every day, is, uh, I'm telling you, it really is a celebration of our new dog, whose name is Bo, B-E-A-U, who is adorable. Well, there's nothing uh, to be, I, first of all, I'm a big dog person. My dog got groomed today, finally. <laughs> so I was very happy about that. So that is something to celebrate. And we'll both celebrate our dogs tonight. Uh, I also, uh, when I read that you were from Cherry Point, North Carolina, That's I was so excited to meet uh, another Carolinian because oh, yeah. I am from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, and I know that Cherry Point is about three hours, I think, from Myrtle Beach. Uh, you know, I don't exactly know because I left there when I was very young. We moved uh, constantly during my very young years. Mm -hmm. moved, uh, we moved back to North Carolina uh, three or four times. And different, uh, Greenville and I forget all the cities. Um, and... And the records are lost because my mother's basement flooded. Wow. <laughs> so, it's okay. And, um, but, but North Carolina is a really, really beautiful state. I wish I'd had uh, more years there uh, as a child. It didn't. And, uh, and I, I've always been very fond of it. Beautiful, beautiful state. Lovely people. Have you ever been to Myrtle Beach? No, I've never been to Myrtle Beach because that's in South Carolina. That's in South Carolina. Yeah, so I, I don't think I've ever even been to South Carolina. I've been all over North Carolina, and I had friends from North Carolina, and I visited them, and you know, was a bridesmaid in a wedding, and in, in I think Durham, and um, but I think it's a very beautiful state, and if uh, both of the Carolinas, I'm sure they are alike. And if I were to, I'm not leaving California, but say I were, I would love to probably go back there for sentimental reasons. 
Now you said you were moving a lot. Is a what do you consider if you were moving a lot? Uh, what was your hometown, or do you have a sense of a hometown? Well, I don't really have a sense of a hometown. Other people have a sense of a hometown for me, um, but it's not my sense. But <laughs> no, but um, uh, we moved. So many times, I don't even know how many times, you know, for the military and then for my stepfather's work and just a lot of moving. And the place we lived uh, that we finally settled in when when my stepfather got out of my father was a Marine uh, fighter pilot. And my stepfather was a, a doctor assigned to the Marines, which is traditional. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't have their own doctors, the Marines. They always have a Navy doctor. So he was one of those. And uh, when he got out, he was he was deployed somewhere in some ocean on some ship. And he had put an ad in the Stars and Stripes and um, uh, saying that he was getting out of the military and he was looking for to join um, an older doctor's practice so that ended up being a small, very small town in Arkansas. And so I was there for 11 years. And um, so that's the longest uh, that we lived anywhere. And then I left very early, uh, 16, 17. And so there you go. That's now, uh, I want to uh, thank you. I want to thank uh, Harlan Bowl who brought all of us together tonight along uh, uh, with Rosa Puzo, who reached out to Harlan to get you here. And I asked Harlan for a photograph of you. Uh, I think this is you at five years old that I'm going to bring up here. Um, and the reason I asked for a photograph at this uh, point in a person's life is because to me, it's the purest point in a person's life before life begins telling you who you should or should not be. And I'd like you to tell us a little bit about this little girl. Oh my God, I didn't know he sent you that one. <laughs> the, you know, I, I love this photograph. Actually, you know what? I, hold on, now my iPad is telling me the battery, wait, just one second here because- Okay, we, no. It's another technical issue. Uh, if you'd like, I can show another clip from the movie while you're setting that up. This will only take me a millisecond. It's just something's going on that it's not charged. And I, because of our earlier technical issues, hold on, where I had to quit my... Okay, it's charging. Hallelujah. Great. So I didn't know Harlan sent you that one. I thought he sent you my modeling composite from when I was three. Oh, I've got that as well. I can bring that up uh, as well. Uh, just keep talking and I'm going to bring that photograph up. But that other one where I look like uh, like a little uh, wild creature, um, I don't know how old I was. I would say between five and seven. And it actually is actually one of my favorite photos, strangely enough, because it's incredibly unflattering. And, uh, and my hair is like completely crazy and uh, but to me that is the closest photograph to who I actually was and am uh, just this kind of wild child who 
just didn't take no for an answer. I love that. Uh, and did that, I mean, and here's the other photograph. That, uh, let me see, I want to bring this up here. Uh, my own technical issues, but I've got it right here. Uh, it amazes me that I can do all this. <laughs> so uh, let's just, here we are. And I think that'll bring us up. Uh, we're going to delete that, bring this up. Bear with us, folks. Don't try this at home. I am a professional. So, uh, up. yes. And here we are. There you are. There it is. Just oh, yes. Look at this. I love this. Yeah, that is obviously a professional um, composite Z card, whatever you want to call it. And that was when I was a, I mean, I, I look very groomed and, you know, kind of perfect. And um, that was uh, for work. That was to get me more work because I was a toddler model. At uh, By that time, we were living in uh, Dallas, Dallas, Texas. And I was a toddler model for the flagship store there. And so that was my my calling card. That that series was there four? I think there were four. Yeah. Three photographs. Uh, four. Uh, but uh, do you uh, know the story behind how that happened? How I got the job? Uh, how you began? I mean, what did uh, <laughs> someone spot you, or uh, did your mom pursue this? No, no, my mother didn't didn't pursue that. Um, what happened was that my mother and I. <clears throat> My mother was incredibly gorgeous, like crazy gorgeous. And so everywhere we would go, um, she would attract attention. And she could just stand there in a, in a burlap bag and attract attention. And, but she was always very well-dressed, and so was I. She dressed me very well. And so we were walking down the street in Dallas, and uh, this man uh, came up to us. And you would think, well, you know, my mother... So beautiful and but no he had come up for me and he was a rep from neiman marcus and said they were looking for little girl models it was all very up and up and would she bring me in to the to the to the office for an interview and um, she agreed and so i don't remember uh, very much about the interview but uh i guess it went okay because i got the job and i was a toddler uh, runway model for Neiman Marcus. And I remember that and I loved it because I got to wear all these beautiful clothes. And as a child, I was because of, I guess, my mother and, and my grandmother was very stylish, both my grandmother. And uh, so I, I got that job. That's how it happened. And for how many years did you do the child modeling? Well, we moved again. So, um, let's see, I'm going to say a year, maybe a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then we moved, I think the next place we lived was, um, was the Naval Base in uh, Millington, Tennessee. And, um, and I started doing uh, television there. And I was, I was think I was five. I think it was. No, were you doing uh, were you doing uh, local television as a model or as an actress? I was. It was a variety show, 
and and uh, somehow I ended up on it, and I started doing it, and I did it on and off for the next eight years, and it was very um, hokey, corny, and um, but it was incredible training. I was going to say it must have been incredible training. It was incredible training inadvertently because if you can survive doing something like that, where I wasn't on it every week, but I was on it a lot. And I would, and as I got older, they let me um, create my own performances. So that was a very good thing because I, I was already studying dance and I started studying dance at three, but I was, I continued to study. And then I was also doing all kinds of other performing arts and fine arts and whatever, as kids, kids like us tend to do. And um, so I, I would choreograph a number, I would design the costume. My mother would have it made by a seamstress. I would perform the number and then I would move on to the next thing. Maybe it was a song that I would sing, maybe it was a poem uh, that I would read, uh, maybe it was, you know, some kind of gymnastics, or it was just really uh, very uh, amateur time. But it was really good training, because really, if you can survive that, mm -hmm. you can survive anything. As a child doing this and growing up doing this, did it ever seem like work to you or did it always seem like play or was it a mixture of both? I think it was a mixture of both because I took it very seriously. It, and I, because I was the one who was, who was originating it and creating it and uh, not my mother, not my stepfather, it was, it was me, but you know, certainly uh, they were helping. My mother was helping with because I would design a costume, I'd sketch it out, and then we'd go to the fabric store and pick out fabrics, and then we'd go to the seamstress because I didn't sew, she didn't sew, I still don't sew, she never did sew. So, but I was good at uh, creating a costume. I created a lot of costumes, and so, but I took it very, very seriously. I I knew that was my profession. I already knew it was that was it was it that was it. You know, that was my profession. I didn't know which of the performing arts that I, would I do them all or would I piecemeal them? Would I just choose one, which is kind of what I ended up doing. But I, I did them all for a very long time. And then after, after that, I had this, you know, a teacher can change a child's life. I'm just very, a very big uh, supporter of teachers. And because I, I, I personally had my life supported and changed by uh, two teachers in particular, but a lot of other teachers too. I, I had really good teachers growing up. And um, so I had this, this teacher, um, Mr. Cooper, who uh, I met when I was 13, kind of towards the tail end of my big career <laughs> on the little talent show. And, uh, and he, uh, he was great. He was the band instructor, but he was a musician himself. He he was a music teacher. He was he was just really supportive of this wild little thirteen year old who had these big creative dreams. And he never uh, talked down to me. You know, I'd say, I oh, I think I want to do. You know, I heard this 
I heard a song. I think I want to create a, you know, a dance number to that. And then maybe you can bring in the horns. And, and he was just right there. He treated me like. God bless him. God bless that you had that. When did, were you aware? I mean, you're in the throes of all this, but when were you aware that there was a world of show business beyond this circle that you were in? And you said you already had these dreams. What was that spark that kept you going? I mean, for some kids, for some kids, it's the idea of being a star. For some, it's being an actress. Uh, for some, it's just the sheer work that comes with it. Where did you fit in there? That's a very good question, Richard. Um, you know, I would. I remember when I first did um, a stage appearance, uh, a live appearance, and I was uh, seven. And I was the operetta Peter and the Wolf. And I was uh, the bird, the Russian name, the bird. You remember it? I don't remember it right now. But there's, you know, it's Peter and it's the wolf and there's the bird and, and whatever. And it's, it's operetta. And we did it in school. And um, I had designed the costume and we'd had it made at the Seamsters. It was really funny costume. It was, it was a yellow bird costume with a headpiece and a beak and the whole thing, right? And I came out on stage and this was, I think, my first, like, what I would call a kind of professional, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, stage performance. And I came out and did my, whatever, my bit, and people started applauding. And it was like, <gasps> this is it. They were applauding, right? And so I was flapping my fake bird wings, and the more, and I, I, they were trying to get me off the stage. They'd had a hook, you know. They would <laughs> leave the stage because people were, you know what it's like, people were applauding. And so I just stood there, and, and it was like, it was like I had a magic wand or I had a dial, some kind of a, a dial that I would stop flapping and jumping around and they would stop applauding. And then I would start flapping my fake wings and jumping around and they would start applauding. And it was like I was controlling them like a conductor. And that was it. It was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And that was it. And then I kept doing, you know, the TV show in Memphis and and then started traveling with a little later, not at seven, but at 13 with Mr. Cooper. Then we started traveling around with a small performing group and we would go to, you know, other schools and colleges and fairs and all of that. And um, and I got to sing and I'm not a great singer, but I got to sing and I played an instrument, and but mainly I was the dancer and the choreographer. And so I think that's, I, 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 I think that's kind of an answer to your question. It's not later, it was when I was seven and I was flapping those wings and it was exhilarating. Oh, it's heaven. Uh, now our friend Larry Blanks is watching. Larry, thanks for being here. And he wants to know, uh, we didn't talk about Millington 
Uh, he said he was there in the USMC from June 1962 to November 1962. Uh -huh. Millington, do you know what he's referring to? Or? Because I, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, Millington, Tennessee, yes. Yes. naval base, yes. where my stepfather uh, was um, stationed. And it's very near Memphis, just like a little hop and skip. And that's where I started doing TV was in Memphis. But we were living on the base okay. in Millington. So, okay. yes. I so, uh, and uh, so there comes, you have this experience now of being on stage and knowing that you've got this power. Uh, and there comes a point in a person's life um, in this business where you either go east or west. Um, yeah. Yes. You know, when, let's go, first of all, uh, was there a specific moment where you said to your parents, this is uh, truly the path that I want to be on? No, I did not, because I knew that it would be not taken well, and I would not be um, supported in that uh, goal. So I actually never said anything. I just wow. had to, yeah, I never did. I started uh, saving money when I was about 13, because I knew I would need money. I had no clue as to how much money I would actually need, but I started saving money for my to explore my dream. And that was a secret. That was Did you share this secret with anyone or was it just a secret that you kept to yourself? To myself. I didn't share it with anybody because I was not in an environment that, um, that it's not support so much. It would be understanding that would understand um, a person, I mean, everybody loved my performances and all of that, right? But that was, and my mother told me later, it was just considered that, you know, I was this talented, you know, girl, but then I would come to my senses as I grew up and I would um, do something else. I would become a doctor or, mm. I, would, or I would become um a nurse or a school teacher or something that made sense, right? And to this, to this particular environment. But I had a best friend and she had similar dreams and, but she wanted to be a singer. And unfortunately she, um, she died. Uh, I'm sorry. After, yeah, it was terrible. After we uh, graduated and we had all these plans, unfortunately she was killed in a car accident. Mm. Right? So, but, um, uh, but we had these similar dreams, and so I had her, and and she was it. I didn't have anybody else who, I mean, when I look back, everybody thought, because I said it, I was going to be a rocket. okay? I was going to go to New York, and I was going to become a rocket, And that actually could have happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I, I decided to take another path. And I mean, that was my friends, my family and the adults were, were, I mean, it just was like, I might as well said, I'm going to, you know, fly to Mars, you know, and, and that would have been so, such an unreal thing to do to say, no, I'm going to get in my car and drive to California. I'm going to become an actress and I'm going to be successful. I might as well have said, you know, I'm going to fly to Mars because it would have been just like, no, you're not, you're going to, you're going to go to medical school or you're going to go 
you're going to do this or, you know, because that's what people do. And, and that's okay. You know, I don't, I don't have any resentment about that. I understand how people think and I understand how people in, you know, a, a different world think. I just wasn't in that world. Well, first of all, I'm so glad that you said this because I can relate wholeheartedly to everything that you're saying. Um, and uh, I, I used to question whether there's, I grew up in a small town uh, in South Carolina, Conway, just outside of Myrtle Beach. And, uh, and a lot of people that I went to high school, whether they're still there, they mm -hmm. raised their families, they've had wonderful lives, they've stayed there. But my dreams were bigger than that. And I know that when you've got that desire to go further beyond your own circle, yes. uh, the question is, and I used to question, are they better off not having those big, big dreams uh, mm -hmm. than we are who, where that ambition is, burnt? Uh, well, for me, it was an intense burning desire. Was it the same for you? It was almost violent. It was, I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, it was like I was being pushed by a power greater than myself and pulled. And, and I, but luckily I had these, I had my best friend, but I also had these two teachers. And one of the teachers one day when I was, I mean, I already knew I was already saving my money and I had, and I had at one point, I had researched the New York School of Performing Arts. I'm sure you're very familiar with it being in New York, although now it's called LaGuardia. It's got a different name now, but it was the, the school that fame was based on the movie. Oh, LaGuardia. Thank you. But yes, back LaGuardia High School. Yes. Okay. New York School of Performing Arts. And I had researched it. And because I knew that was where I needed to be. And um, and research in those days, you didn't go on the internet. You went to the library. That's right. And you read newspapers and you, you know, it was a different world. And, uh, and I had also researched um, where girls my age could live because I knew that I would get a lot. It would be like, oh no, oh no, not New York. So I had researched um, um, like, Co not co-ed, but girls only dormitories where girls who came from out of state and went to the New York School of Performing Arts. The rehearsal uh, club is a very famous club for that, yes. Except for I was 13. And so I was a little bit young, but I was, I was, one of my plans was to attend high school there. And, and I, I was very naive because I actually thought that my parents would say yes because it was a very reputable school and because I had researched these uh, places that girls lived and were chaperoned. And so I, I had this plan and I thought I was very smart. And so I presented this plan to my parents, like, look, I, I need to uh, have better training and I need to go uh, to someplace. And is that your dog? That's my dog. You can hear him. He's yes. Uh, somebody's dog. walking by the house, I know. So he just saw him out the window. So like, I'm oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's my dog. You know. And um, I love dogs. And um, so they were like, 
so horrified. And I begged and I begged and I begged. And it was a, just a, a no. So then I had to kind of shift my plans, which I did. And, um, but it, but see, I don't, here's a thing that I think, I think that, I think everybody has a certain dream or a certain several dreams. And like, like people whose dream it is to, you know, be uh, a professional of some kind, whether it's a nurse or, I mean, my grandmother's nurse, my aunt was a nurse, um, or if it's to be a school teacher, or if it's to be uh, work in a factory, whatever, right? Your dream is your dream. And I don't look at my dream as any bigger than anybody else's dream. I just look at it as it's a different dream. Whereas my dream was not to stay in a small town. It was not to get married. It was not to have children. Now I did end up getting married. I did end up having one child, but it was not my dream. I wasn't like the other little girls who would play bride. And, and I wasn't like that. I was like, wow, what, what song can I use with that number? You know, that was, but I don't look at that as being better or bigger. I just look at it as being different because they're dreams. I mean, you know, I, I, I have really close friends still um, back there that I adore and, um, and they, uh, they were all professional women, all, you know, with careers, but raised families, got married and, and, and stayed there, most of them. And, um, and, that's, and they're successful, very successful people and have really great lives that I uh, respect and um, admire. They're not just my life. They're not for me. And my life is not for them. So, you know, we're still good friends because I respect them and, uh, and they respect me. How did the move actually take place when it did take place? And do you remember the day that you left and said, I'm on my way? Yes. Sure. Don't you? Oh, August 5th, 1979, this Friday night. Yes. Oh my God. Don't remember. I remember it was in April and, um, I had had a really horrible um, thing happen. Uh, um, I was going to I was going to college brief, briefly, which I hated, even though I loved. Again, I had wonderful teachers. I mean, really wonderful because I was a theater and a dance major, so I had wonderful teachers. Uh, but then this horrible thing happened, and I really should have dropped out of school for that semester. But uh, my best friend, like I mentioned, got killed, and. Um, we had no counseling. I had no counseling. I had no one. And it was uh, too much grief. Uh, yeah, I lost my best friend when I was in the sixth grade. You know, uh, I, he was uh, he was crossing the road and was killed by a car. And uh, and I know exactly what you're talking about. There was no counseling at that time in school. Uh, all of us kids were like crying our eyes out and there was no one to go to. No, I mean, I went home because I had to help her mother. And um, that was real hard. And I was 17. And um, and so I just kind of uh, lost my way because I didn't have, like you said, we had no counseling. We had no grief counseling. We had, Even the minister didn't, you know, nobody helped me. I was just supposed to have a stiff upper lip and, and go on. And really, I should have dropped out of school 
for a semester. Instead, you know, I got kicked out because I just lost my way. And, and it was actually the best thing, probably one of the best things ever happened to me because I, I didn't like school. I didn't like college. I loved my teachers. I loved the performances. I didn't like the restrictive environment. I didn't like being told what to do. I didn't like, I just didn't like them. I'm not very good at uh, regimental end of life. And so it was good. So I just, you know, went back, called my parents, my mother, really, called my mother and uh, got my car and packed up a few things. And I, that was it. I was gone. And did you tell them where you were headed or what you were doing or did you just took off? Oh, no, I told them. I oh. would not would have done that to them. Okay. No, no, I told my mother. And um, I actually wrote a one-woman show at one time, you know, years and years later, where I tell this whole story and about how my mother, um, and we weren't particularly close, but I had respect uh, for her. And um, But my mother followed my car in the one-woman show I wrote. She followed the car uh, behind the car, and she... I could see her in my rearview mirror, and she walked from the sidewalk out into the street and stood in the middle of the street and watched me drive away. And that was quite a huge moment. And I just drove away. And was wow, what a story. Uh, and I, I've got a comment before it disappears, uh, and we're going to get back on track in a second, from Harlan. Uh, he says that you work with both Kirk Douglas and Michael Douglas, uh, and he understands from a Facebook post uh, that Kirk wrote you uh, or contacted you just before he passed away. He did. Um, I had done my first movie with uh, Michael, and that was uh, when Steve McQueen uh, chose me to out of 500 girls to uh, star in this movie. Michael had not been hired yet. I was first hired. And then I, when I got the job um, for Steve, and he was he became my mentor, you know, which is quite incredible to have Steve McQueen as your mentor. And um, he, uh, then I had a screen test with a lot of you know wonderful young actors, and Michael got the job. So that was how we ended up doing that. And then years. I, later, I just love this picture. Oh, isn't it great? I, I, I and I especially love what you're both wearing in the pictures. <laughs> I love, I just love this picture. No, I do too. That was the era. And um, and you can kind of see our relationship there. We had a very uh, playful, uh, funny, uh, but very strict relationship because he expected certain things from me and taught me, taught me a lot. And, but we had a, we had um, a bond. We had a really, uh, more like, it was like a father daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, because he was actually my parents' age. And so I looked at him as older and, you know, somebody you looked up to and, and that sort of thing. And then years later, I worked with um, Kirk and did a, did a movie with Kirk and uh, called Eddie Macon's Run. And um, I can look on my bulletin board. I'm in my office and I have the letter from Kirk on my bulletin board because I was doing an interview and Kirk was hundred and I don't know the last few months of his life 103 or something like that. three what yes yes 203 something extraordinary and uh, obviously still very lucid and so forth 
And uh, we'd had a great time working together. That's a whole other story that we don't have time for. But so I was doing an interview, you know, uh, talking, and I happened to mention Kirk. And they said, what was Kirk like? And I said, he was a mensch. He was incredible. He was, and I told him this whole story about Kirk, that what he had done for me and, and how well we worked together and how well we got along. Because I was way into my career by that time. I was no longer, you know, a young ingenue. You know, I was way into my career. And he was at the, you know, the tail end of his. And, but he would come on the set and he was like an actor with their first job. I mean, he just was dedicated. He was energetic. He worked hard. He didn't rest on his very substantial laurels. He was, he was a mensch. And he did some very nice things for me because I had a very difficult situation happen on that film. And he um, helped me, helped me with that situation. And so I was talking about him and he heard this interview I did. And no idea how, but he heard it. So then he wrote me this letter telling me he had heard the interview. Thank you for all the kind things that I had said about him and, and what wonderful memories that he had had working with me. And, and I got that letter and um, it's up on my bulletin board. You what know. a wonderful memory to have that. Uh, I want to go back to Steve McQueen for a moment. Uh, I mean, er, so early in your career to work with the, I mean, his, again, body of worth, as I refer to it, uh, that uh, just the gravitas. What did you learn from him uh, as an artist and as a human that you've carried through uh, the rest of your life? really just a huge amount. I mean, he was, you know, I was nobody and I came from nowhere and I had nothing. And, but I had this fierce ambition and he was the same. So we had these similarities in our backgrounds and in our personalities and I rode a motorcycle, he rode a motorcycle. Mm. He liked to drive fast cars, I liked to drive fast cars, even though I just had an old beater. You know, I liked to drive fast cars. And um, we had both left home early with nothing and uh, no financial help. And so we had that bond. And, but he knew that I was like uh, very green uh, in the film industry and um, so he, he really took me under his wing and every day, this is a little bit of a interesting story. He taught me, uh, he, uh, he would, he wanted me to gain weight because I was doing some modeling. Uh, I, I had gone back to modeling and, um, when he hired me and I was, cause I was trying to earn money and I was very, very skinny, you know, cause I was a model and he wanted me to gain weight for the role cause he thought I was too skinny, but he wanted me to not get, gain weight in the wrong way and work out. So he uh, took me under his wing about that and he would teach me how to work out. And I would go to his office in the morning. It was very, very on the up and up. Everybody was there and he, we would work out. And one day I said to him, so how do you know all this? You know, how do you know these exercises? And because he was a fitness maniac. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I have this, um, this Chinese um, martial arts expert. And he teach, teaches me all these things, but he never told me his name. And then years later, when I was being interviewed, because I'm in a lot of books about Steve, 
uh, the, the writer um, said to me, do you know who that martial artist was? I said, no. And he said, it was Bruce Lee. <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. Unbelievable. So I was getting by Bruce Lee, you know, third hand by osmosis. And so I, anyway, Steve taught me so much. He taught me about finance. He taught me about actor's business on a set, you know, don't ever just stand there, you have something going on. And, you know, if you look at his performances and then later mine, that's what we do. And um, unless I get stopped, you know, by the director, which is fun. And um, he taught me a lot of stuff, just, uh, you know, uh, how, how to behave on a set, how to, because you know, I had done a few commercials and I had, and I was under, also under contract to uh, Screen Gems, but I, but I'd already tested for Adam at 6 a.m. for Steve. And so it was in my contract that if I got hired, they would not hold me to the Screen Gems contract. And that's what happened. They were wonderful about it. And so he taught me how to, you know, conduct myself on a set, conduct myself, you know, in a, in a, in not a weak way, but a, a, um, have manners, you know, to have set manners, which are very specific to a set, not, they're not life manners, they're set manners. And, and it's great to hear that. I mean, it's really great to hear that the professionalism that he carried about himself. He, I've, got, uh, I've got another comment uh, from uh, uh, Brad, and he said, I love Lee in capital letters. Um, she scared the bejeebities out of me. In Summer of Fear with Linda Blair, I couldn't sleep for a week. <laughs> what about a nice compliment? Oh, so Brad, uh, but you, you, I mean, you've had the great pleasure of working with so many incredible uh, icons in this business. But Lee, they had the great pleasure of working with you. Oh. Uh, early, no, it's true. Early on, I mean, that gift was very apparent from the very beginning of your career. Hmm. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's that's a great thing. I never thought about that, you know. Well, it's it's true. And as 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 your career started to unfold, um, you, uh, I, you know, I've had uh, Davis Gaines on the show, and I I quote him all the time on this comment, but I, because I think it's brilliant, he said, "When you go into this business, uh, sometimes you have a game plan, but once you get into the business, it's like being thrown into a pinball machine, because it's all a matter of the people that you meet, the circumstances." Uh, did you have any type of a game plan and how did things start to unfold for you? I am just concerned my iPad is going to die now. Um, I had no game plan. Uh, I just, um, once I met Steve, you know, it took maybe two years. I, he talked to me about longevity and take anything you get. And kind of interesting. And um, so I, I did, I, that's what I did. And because, but then I moved to London, that's a whole other story, uh, because I wanted to study um, Shakespeare and, and uh, serious drama and so forth. And I wanted to live in London. And um, so I just, I kind of, I didn't have a game plan except for what Steve had taught me about. Keep working, say yes, 
and you'll have longevity. And uh, and he would have had. I mean, Steve would have turned 90. Recent, not not this birthday, but a couple of birthdays ago. It's hard to imagine because uh, I know, I know. When he was, uh, he died less than a decade after I knew him. So he wasn't really around that long, but he created this huge impact. And I really do think he would have been working, you know, as long as he was healthy, uh, he would have kept working. But so game plan, no, I had no game plan. And things kept happening because I, I had a horrible car accident. And because I planned, because I was a dancer, I planned on supporting myself through uh, dance, right? But I had a horrible car accident. I was uh, very badly injured. And I, so then I was like, oh my God, how am I going to earn a living? Oh, I know, I'll go back to modeling. So I did. Went back to modeling, right? And then modeled for a while. And I, I, I didn't really like it, but it was a way of earning a living. And, but then I got, you know, selected by Steve. And then that kickstarted my life and it kickstarted my career because even though the movie was not a hit, it was a nice little movie, but it wasn't a hit. But then people, but he, he took, he introduced me to the press and then people wanted to work with me. And, and so that was a kickstart, you know, that who knows how long would it have taken me to get that had I not been selected and mentored by Steve. And so, no, I had no game plan. <laughs> I still don't have a game plan. It's just kind of, I mean, I've done a lot of things now, a lot of performances. I've, I've written, I've produced, I've directed. I've had a production company. I've done all, all kinds of different things. And, um, but really no game plan. Did you ever have to do any other survival jobs other than being in this business? Uh before I came to California, I had truly the worst jobs that you can possibly imagine. <laughs> really horrible, horrible, horrible jobs. But I needed the money and you know you do what you have to do. And so I was I was a maid in a um, in a uh, resort and I learned a lot about people from being a maid and how lovingly they can be. And um, and I was just a teenage maid and I was cleaning up entire families' messes because they thought, we're on vacation, we don't have to clean. Well, you know, you could like put the stuff in the trash. You could just do that. You could flush the toilet, how about that? You know, basics. But it was like, no, they're on vacation and they're gonna go crazy. And I learned how to tell where people were from by if they left tips for the maids. And that was really interesting. People from the East Coast always left the tip in the room for the maids. People from the middle part of the country, no tips, no tips for maids. You know, people from the West Coast, a chintzy little tip, if anything. And that was really interesting. So yeah, I had these horrible, kind of horrible jobs. And, uh, and then when I first um, came to California, I worked, this will tell you what era, but um, I worked in a disco and mm -hmm. I worked all night in a disco and uh, it was a huge. No, I lost her. Her, uh, chances are her uh, iPad may have died. The energy on that uh, may have died. Um, hopefully she's going to be back. Uh, I'm hoping that she's going to be back uh, as we wrap this up. Uh, but one of the things that I do want to, uh, I, I want to bring, I'm going to show another clip uh, from Carol of the Bells. 
Uh, and we will talk about this on the other side. I hope she makes it back. Uh, but uh, if she logs back on, she'll get back. Uh, but here she is uh, with Donna Mills in Carol of the Bells. <clears throat> I was so convinced I was doing the right thing back then. Yeah, well, we can't change the past as much as I would like to. What matters is what you do now. I honestly don't know what to do. Oh, that's easy. You help Carol, your daughter, reunite with her son. How? Call him. Invite him over for dinner. Here. Make it for tomorrow. I'll take her back to the center and help her get ready. Will you join us? Yes, I would love to. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. And she's back. <laughs> no, this has been like a technical challenge. Now my iPad died, even though I have a charging cord in it. And I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm back. If you want to keep talking. Uh, well, we are going to run out of time, and I don't want to take uh, too much time of your time, but I do want to ask you, uh, I just showed this other clip, um, can you tell us uh, about this film, Carol of the Bells, uh, directed by Joey Travolta, mm -hmm. uh, and an amazing, uh, I can't wait to see it, first of all, but what I love about this film is that uh, the, the casting of the film. And if you can talk about that. Well, the casting of the film, um, if you, and, and mind you, we did this film right before the pandemic. You can see it on um, multiple platforms. You can just type it in and you'll be able to see it. So the casting, RJ Mitty uh, played the young man from, and he was from Breaking Bad. Uh, he played, um, Brian's, uh, Brian Cranston's uh, son, and played the son that had cerebral palsy. And in real life, he does have cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Joey runs uh, schools for the differently able, just what he says, and uh, to, so they can enter into the film industry and uh, in a crew capacity. And they're very, very good. So on that film, Carol of the Bells, I think it was 70% of the crew, I believe, were the differently abled from Joey's schools. So that was quite amazing, actually, because they were great, professional, well-trained, fabulous. Um, the casting, um, like I said, RJ, and then um, uh, the woman who played um, Carol, Carol the Bells, she, um, she actually has Down syndrome. She's a, a very good actress, as you can see. And then um, the, the trio, uh, Donna Mills and um, Donna Pascal and myself, uh, play various roles. And, you know, it wasn't like we auditioned or anything. Joey just basically said to our agents, hey, can they do this? And we all said yes, because who's going to turn that down? You know, it was exactly. an incredible um, experience. And so we did it. We went up to Bakersfield and we uh, shot up there and um, it was low budget. And 
a great experience, I have to say. It was a really wonderful, wonderful experience. And I got two best uh, girlfriends out of it, you know, Donna and Donna, Donna P and Donna M. That's great. Which was really nice because none of us had ever met before. Wow. Oh, I know, which you would think, you know, that we would have, but we hadn't. We all kind of came from different uh, worlds, even though we're all in the film industry, uh, on the industry, we all kind of came from different facets of it. And uh, so that was that was a, a big uh, a big blessing and a big extra, you know, was to get uh, those two women as uh, friends. To That's this. wonderful. Yeah. We are going to run out of time, and I want to respect your time, and I want to respect everyone else's time. Uh, I am going to do a giveaway, as I do at the end of every show. Okay. And uh, this is, uh, we just have a couple of people who have entered, but we have a lot of people watching tonight. So thank you all for being here. We'll see who our winner is. Thank you. Uh, and uh, it's going to be Pam Stubbs once again. She wins a lot. But wow. she shows up. She comes to the shows, and, and I'm thrilled that she's here. Don't go anywhere for a moment. I want to say I chose the word boldness because I, when I think of you and your career, I think of this boldness in the choices that you make as an actress. Uh, I think of the boldness that you uh, made now, especially hearing your story tonight and the trajectory that got you uh, to your career. Uh, it's just an amazing story. I want to see your one woman show. Um, and I also want you to come back uh, when we have Love more to. time to talk because uh, there's so many more stories to tell, so many interesting people that you've worked with. And as I said, they've worked with you. So don't go anywhere for a moment. I want to say to everyone, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, I don't take it lightly, as you all know, uh, when you show up. So thank you for being here. Uh, please leave a comment on YouTube. Let us know what you think about the show. Share this with your friends. And please check out Carol of the Bells. Uh, that's going to be my uh, guilty viewing pleasure after oh, tonight's show. Uh, and I also uh, end every show by talking about, well, you talked about your uh, best friend and losing her, mm -hmm. uh, losing Steve McQueen. We Life is a very precious thing. Yes, it is. And uh, I end every show by telling everyone to go to your Facebook friends list. Uh, tonight, I'm gonna to tell everyone to reach out to the seventh name that pops up hmm. and reach out with the phone call. Hmm. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message. You can try it yourself, Lee. Uh, and just let that person know what they mean in your life. Oh. Uh, as my dear friend, Sean Moniker says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, if you're gonna go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So, <laughs> Lee, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to give you the final word. Anything you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon, uh, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish that we had, or just any final message that you want to leave with everyone tonight. But before you, and don't worry about how to end, as soon as you say goodbye, the credits will roll. Harlan Bowl, thank you for always being there for me. Uh, and also Rosa Puzo, thank you for always being there for me and everyone else as well. Thank you. And Lee, it's all yours. Thank you for being here tonight. Well, first of all, it's been my pleasure to be here with you, Richard. And uh, I, I apologize to everybody for all the 
crazy technical issues. I mean, now I'm on my iPhone. We've come down from the computer to the iPad. Now I'm on my iPhone. And, uh, and I want to thank everybody um, who has watched this and who has sent in comments. And even if you didn't send in a comment, I want to thank you very much. It means a lot to me uh, that you do. Uh, that you do have interest. And I know you're big fans of Richard and rightfully so. And uh, follow me, uh, you know, reach out to me on social media. I think Richard is going to put it up. I think he's going to put it up, but I'm on all the, you know, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and I have my own website, leepurcell.com. So I would love it if you would reach out to me and if you have any other questions that we weren't able to answer because of all the crazy technical issues, um, let me know, you know, reach out to me and, uh, but reach out to me publicly because I really don't answer messenger, uh, but publicly I will answer you. And um, I just like to say that, you know, if you have a dream uh, that you haven't done yet, that you haven't fulfilled yet, it's not too late. I know that's a cliche. I know that. But I'm telling you right now, it's not too late. You can still pursue your dream. You can pursue your dream in any way that you choose. And your dream is your dream, whatever it is. So thank you for, for being here. Thanks a lot.